Welcome back to the I'm Sorry Grandpa podcast. The only podcast in which it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. This isn't actually my turn, so I will turn it over to whoever it is. Ah, oh, it's me. All right, I just had to burp. I'm ready. I'm sorry, Grandpa. online you can fill out if you want to forget that you listen to this episode. I'm your host, Morgan, <laughs> and joining me today is that face in your dreams that looks disturbingly off, but you can't quite tell why. Manny. And the freedom you feel while dancing in your underwear on your client's bed while they sleep. Uh, regrettably Keanu. Regrettably so. That, that, that's a bad... It's a freeing feeling. Keanu, you are no. that freeing feeling. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I do not. I do not want to be in my underwear except in my bed or before I take a shower. Not in someone else's bed? Nope. All Definitely right. not in someone else's bed. <laughs> it's a new month and I've already forgotten which month we're on. All right. Hang on. Let me think. Mm-hmm. Remember, November. remember the month of... November. That's it. That's right. It's November, and we're doing films featuring memory loss. I quit the episode. (laughs) I quit the episode. Did you Uh, like my bit? You didn't like it? (laughs) I loved your bit. I'm annoyed how much I liked it. This week, we watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, a 2004 film penned by Charlie Kaufman and directed by Michael Gondry. It follows a nonlinear story of a bad breakup between a couple, Joel and Clementine, as they have their memories erased of each other. During Joel's lucid trip into his own memories, he experiences regret for undergoing the memory loss treatment and struggles to find a way to keep his memories of Clementine. Uh, but so guys, what did, you, uh, what did you think of this film, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I'll go ahead and start off with first impressions. Um, so this is actually probably my second time viewing the film, and um, I think the first time I was less than impressed, but I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention enough, or I just wasn't in the right state of mind for the film, but I liked it a fair bit more this time around. It's still by no means my favorite film or anything, but I can respect a lot of the cinematography. I can respect the acting. It's interesting to see a non-hammy Jim Carrey, mm. although... He, you know, is Jim Carrey, so he still had a few hammy moments. Particularly, yeah. there was one scene in which he was screaming, he's like, Wah! And it was, like, unnecessary. Um, but it's an interesting story about, you know, love and loss and really the idea of, is it really better to have loved and lost or to have never loved at all? You know, that tired cliche. Yeah. But, you know, again, I liked it a fair bit, but it's by no means my favorite thing. When did you first watch it, by the way? I, as I watched it in high school, I think. Yeah. I watched it when I was two years old. You're lying. Well, that, that's it came bad. out in 2004, so Manny <laughs> went back in time to when he was two years old to watch it inside his memories with himself. Keanu, I watched it in high school with you. Wait, we both watched it together? Yes. Wait, when? Keanu, it was during that one fucking class with uh, Levi. With that oh, but you had to watch oh, this movie shit. in class? 
Yeah, I was trying no, to remember. I'm like, I'm when did I watch this <laughs> God damn it. Oh. Dude, you know I have troubles with my memory, too. <laughs> damn, I got double lag I implanted on. a fucking memory. And you, were, you acted like you remembered that, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait. Oh, my God. And then my, I made up the memory in my brain. I'm like, oh, yeah, that did happen. No, it didn't. Oh, no, it's disappearing, just like in the movie. But yeah, I, I was asking about... um when you watched it because you know i feel like that would inform a lot of like your experience with those kinds of movies at the time i think when i watched it as a teenager i didn't really understand it because i'd never been in a relationship at that time and i just didn't really care uh for the slowness of the movies at the time it wasn't like a cartoon show so i didn't care about it yeah um yeah i i think i'd agree with that that i wasn't really yet in a place to really appreciate the movies sentiment of like real loss of love and like you know being able to love someone even with uh knowing all the terrible things you know about them because that's a big thing there right jim carrey is ready to take the step where he's ready to forget this person because his relationship has deteriorated so much that they fucking hate each other but the same in the same breath you know remembering everything he still knows that he dislikes her but he sees those beautiful memories from the beginning of the relationship uh blossoming love and he's like I can't forget this. Why would I want to forget this? This is why people live. And, um, yeah, I, you know, obviously there might be some high schoolers that are emotionally mature enough to really, uh, resonate with that. But I was not, I, uh, <laughs> I was in two relationships before that, or at the time I, I was in a relationship and then I was another one. I've had, I had two relationships up to then in my life and they were both very juvenile. Yeah. Um, uh- I agree 100% with you, Manny. Uh, I had the exact same experience of watching it in high school, mainly because it was one of those touted films. So I was like, oh, I guess I should check it out. And overall, I think walking away from it a little maybe bored, maybe not really appreciating a lot of the thought behind it, because again, we're teenagers in juvenile relationships. I was eager to revisit it. And I did like it a a fair bit more this time. I think overall... It's an interesting uh, twist, I guess, to the to the general romance genre. Yeah, I'm thinking about the mechanic that they use to explore the movie or like explore the story, and it kind of gives me like a notebook kind of vibe, but more sci-fi. You know what I mean? I wouldn't link those two up just because uh, Alzheimer's and mental deterioration are different than you know consensually removing your own memories. Oh yeah, no, no. I mean. The, the motivations are completely different, but I mean, like, the mechanic by which we understand the movie. We're peering through their memories as they remember them, essentially. I mean, it gives an excuse to explore the relationship mm. in a bigger dynamic, you know? Yeah. yeah. I guess... Yeah. I guess that could work <laughs> that way. Which uh, is interesting, this... The, the way that they go through the memory loss... So Joel does it vindictively because Clementine does it. And it's implied that maybe she did it impulsively because she has kind of that kind of personality. Um, I just think it's really interesting viewing it through the through the kind of lucid memory loss state because it almost feels like Joel and Clementine got back together because they lost their memory. Um, uh. Do you think that without the memory loss, they they would have, or or it would have been done? Like, did, did losing the, blueprint, the blueprints to their relationship, kind of forcing them to relive their so-called, like, honeymoon phase, 
actually bring them back together, um, kind of taking away all the negative memories. So now they can kind of come back refreshed with like, hey, on first impression, on first sight, I really liked you. And now again, I'm seeing you on first impression, first sight, and I like you again. Are they kind of now doomed to fail because they don't have the power of hindsight or the power of learning and growing through the relationship? Now that they're starting over, are they are they essentially just doomed to follow the exact same path as the relationship did the first time? That's a very good question. I'd say it's a very loaded question. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I'd say I have a lot to say about this. Actually, ooh, um, I'm shaking. I'm well, rubbing my one, hands. They don't necessarily have hindsight. That is true, but they do have something really interesting, and they have something of a blueprint of what they of the pitfalls they fall into with negative emotions because they have the tapes. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that will drastically affect the trajectory of their relationship. They didn't know this the first time around. It's added information. And another thing there is that they won't have the exact same experiences again. They might at some point feel similar feelings, but, you know, they're older. They aren't actually the same uh, Joel and Clementine that fell in love for the first time. They're slightly different people because they've grown ever so slightly and we change over time. So maybe at this time, maybe at this age... They can actually make it work. Maybe they won't fall into those pitfalls. The question is, though, because they aged two years and then I think a week since the breakup. So they've been apart a week. But how much aging did they really do when a lot of their memories are, are gone? Did they did they age in that? Like, did they age, I guess, mentally in those two years? Or was it essentially two years of, like the doctor describes, heavy drinking so now they've just got memory loss. Like, do you do you think you grow when you wake up the next day after a blackout, uh, after a night of drinking, and you blacked out? <laughs> did you did you grow from those encounters if you don't remember them? Uh, no, I don't. But um, because you're right, it is all memories. I a big thing for me is with the philosophy of people. I feel like a person is the embodiment of all of their memories and all of the people they've ever interacted with. So, no, if you have that memory loss, you don't actually make that growth. But it's not like they lose all their memories. They lose all their memories that pertain to Clementine and Joel. But. Joel. Joel. <laughs> Superman character. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, fuck both of you. Um, <laughs> but, they, but they had memories aside from that, and they would have grown a little bit. Yeah. They're not, again, they're not exactly the same people. That's not to say that they're actually going to make it work this time. Honestly, it seems like there are fundamental character flaws with both of them that will not allow either of them to love each other in the totality that they need or that they deserve, really. Without growing Um, a lot more. Without, yeah. And they didn't do it the first time. I was going to say, you're right. The relationship would have actually pushed it for them. They might have gotten back together in a healthy and good way if... Uh, Clementine or Tangerine or whatever wasn't so impulsive and Joel wasn't so vindictive. They might have had an actual blueprint to avoid the pitfalls and they might have had the character growth that they needed after hurting for a little bit, but they avoided the hurt. They avoided the pain. They avoided the lesson. So you're right. There is a chance that they're destined to fall into the same pitfalls. And that's something the movie addresses itself, right? At the very end, uh, Clem and Joel are like, you know, do we really want to do this again after everything? Mm -hmm. And they just say, okay, like they're ready to hurt each other. So, yeah. yeah, I have a lot to say about this, clearly. I've been talking for far too long. Um, it's a very interesting no, that's question. Fine, dude. 
I also like to point out a really interesting little trivia fact that I uh, pulled up on the Ooh. internets. Um, the old interwebs. Yeah, apparently the original script actually called for this to have happened oh. about 15 times. Uh, what? It been, yeah, it would have been catching an older and Joel and Tangerine. They basically kept repeating the same process where um, they would fall in love, <laughs> then they'd erase each other's memories after it turned sour, and then they'd fall in love again and erase each other's memories. And so it happened like 15 times in the original screenplay. Yeah. I don't actually like that idea at all. That makes it seem like, yeah, they're never going to get back together. <laughs> I like it better this way, too. That's like a really weird backwards soulmate story. Essentially, the, their entire, it's still, they've been dating this whole time. They just, like, lose their memories in between whenever they have a fight, but then they get back together. You know, like, when you have a fight with, with someone and maybe you're apart for a month and you get back together and you don't really count that month apart as being broken up, so you just continue the relationship as is. This sounds yeah. like the most extreme version of that for them. It's a creative version of a breakup. They're just always going to be that on-again, off-again couple. And maybe they should grow from it. Maybe Clem and Joel should not take the easy way out. They probably shouldn't. No one should probably take the easy way out. Yeah, I think that was the message with Kirsten Dunst's character. uh, Mary. Mary, yes. When Mary found out that she had gotten with her boss before and then had... uh, kind of been coerced a little bit into losing her memory over it, but she was also consenting to it. But when she found out again that she had went through that, she clearly now seeing it from the other side, because the entire movie she'd been like, oh, he's so great. What he does is so amazing. It's so great for people to start again. And then when it happened to her, she realized, oh, wow, this is actually terrible. This is horrifying and terrifying and an experience that no one should have. So she stole everyone's data and and gave them the tapes so that everyone could remember the relationships they forgot. Yeah, I mean, essentially for her, the way she perceives it is you're not actually uh, getting a fresh start. You're just dooming yourself to repeat the same mistakes over and over. Yeah, which, like we said, is like what you said, Manny, where we are based on our memories and interactions with people, and if we don't remember those, then what are we really? That's true, Keanu. What are we? Well, I feel like the memory loss isn't, like, the point. It feels more like the tacked on... To me, it feels like a game mechanic. Like, they use that, like, let's explore breakups and heartbreak through the idea of going through your mind and removing certain bad memories from it. I think it does it... I I think it's interesting, or one interesting interpretation of that is that as Joel is losing his memories of Clementine, starting from the worst memories or the beginning, the end of his memories to the uh, beginning of it, it kind of, um, it's kind of like he's remembering all the good times about her and them, each other. And he kind of like is remembering, oh, these are all the good times. I want that back. But he only wants that back because he's only getting the good parts now until the very beginning when it was like this honeymoon exciting phase. It's like nostalgia again. It's just very much this rose-tinted glasses idea. And that's a very... I think that could be a very pessimistic look at the movie, though. But that's just an interesting interpretation. I mean, Joe... De- Joe? Joel? Joel definitely... Joel. Like, Joel. Joel definitely... Uh, <laughs> like, it, in the beginning, when it was just the bad memories, he was, like, screaming at her, like, I'm gonna erase you! Like, you're gone from my life! And then when he just started getting good after good after good memories, then he's like, oh, no, I want to keep these. Uh, yeah. Like his mind basically changed with the memory. Yeah, like a like a 
good weather friend or whatever, fair weather friend kind of deal where it's the, it's the latest memories that inform our experience. I mean, that's part of being a human. They, you, when, as the pain leaves, we forget how horrible it was in the moment. And then we're able to essentially move past it and potentially do the same thing again. I mean, if we remembered, if you were to get pregnant and have a baby and remembered that experience as vividly as when it happened, you might not want to have another kid. Um, oh, Jesus. Like we, we need that kind of, we need to like be able to do that. See, see the good when the good is there and to forget the bad when it's gone in order to just keep moving forward. Right. That's the more charitable, holistic kind of approach to it, I think. Like if you take away the memory loss as a mechanic, like as, as I said earlier, this is just a creative breakup. Like, and this guy is just looking through his memories. It's like this equivalent of someone looking through all their knickknacks and being like, I'm going to throw this away. I hate this person. And they're like, but we did this together. And then we did this together. And it's like a almost sometimes it can be sunk, fa- sunk cost fallacy. And sometimes it could just be nostalgia. But like, it doesn't seem good to like use those as like ammunition to return to a relationship. Grandpa, we are no, it's actually I'm sorry, Gamepa. Hello and welcome back to I'm sorry, Gamepa. <laughs> was that a bit or no? Nope, that was uh, not on purpose, <laughs> but it, it works for the okay. whole memory loss thing. It does, yeah. I thought this time we could do just like a, a fun little game that kind of tangentially references, I guess, memory um, in a round of narrative telephone. I'm going to tell Keanu a story and then immediately after, so no writing the story down, no obviously recording yeah. or anything, Keanu, then I'll leave the call and Keanu's going to have to retell the story to you, Manny. And then Keanu's going to leave the call and Jasmine's going to come in and you, Manny, are going to retell the story to Jasmine. Yeah. And this is as, as verbatim as you can possibly get it. And then Jasmine's going to tell the story back to me and I'll listen and hear, you know, if, if it's uh, as, as it was when I told it. Let's begin, Keanu. Are you ready to listen to my little story? Mm-hmm. All right. This is a tale of two brothers, Ronan and Aaron. Ronan was as tall as a school bus who longed to be short, while Aaron was as short as a fire hydrant who longed to be tall. One day, the brothers were told of a witch who lived within the Jurassic Valley that could grant their wish if they brought her a packed lunch. So the brothers packed a loaf of bread, a bottle of milk, and a thermos of soup then headed out to find her. They crossed the Phelan forest, where they were caught in the web of a giant spider. To escape, the brothers poured out the thermos of hot soup in order to burn through their bonds. Next, they needed to scale the Thurido Mountains, but they did not pack anything with which to climb. They were forced to trade the milk for climbing gear. By the time they reached the Jurassic Valley, all they had left of the packed lunch was the bread. But they did not have time to find a new meal, for the witch was already waiting for them, and she did not look pleased. 
You have brought me stale bread, for this I am insulted. She raised her bony fingers, magic crackling at their tips, and muttered an incantation meant to curse the brothers. When Ronan and Aaron opened their frightened eyes, the witch was gone. Looking at each other, Ronan realized his brother was now taller, and Aaron saw that his brother had grown short. It seems that what the witch deemed a curse had been exactly what the brothers wished for. They returned home, bearing their curse with pride, and the witch was none the wiser. The end. The end. All right, I'm gonna. Yay! I'm gonna leave the call. Uh, bring bring Mandy back in, and you're gonna tell that story to him. Why did she include so many details? I'm not gonna remember that. Manny here. Hi, Manny. Uh, I will now relate to you the story. Uh, so this is a story about two brothers named Ronan and Aaron. Uh, Ronan is tall, uh, but wants to be short. Aaron is short like a fire hydrant, but he wants to be tall. Uh, he goes on a... They are sent on a quest for some reason. I can't remember. Seriously, can uh, they get a quest, they go on the thing, they get, they get three items. Uh, milk, bread, and some other thing. Um, <laughs> don't know. Uh, they head to a forest, and they get caught by a spider. I think that they feed it with a bit of the milk to like blind it or whatever. Uh, next, they have another trial. Uh, can't remember what that was, but they used all their milk for some reason there. Uh... Oh, I remember now. They went on a quest to maybe vanquish a witch, uh, but the witch needs like uh, good bread, essentially. That that's the main thing. Uh, and at the end of the of the quest, they find the witch, but all they have is stale bread, and the witch is like mad, unhappy. She makes like this very shrill like, "I do not like this" voice uh, to them, and she curses them. Uh, but it turns out the curse was good for Ronan and Aaron because it made Ronan short and made Aaron tall. And they came back home very happy. The end. All right, get off. <laughs> Here we go. Hey, Jasmine. Hello. All right, so here's the tale. You ready? All right, I'm ready. All right, so we have two brothers, Ronan and Aaron. Uh, one of them is short and wants to be tall. The other one is tall and wants to be short. Basically the inverse of each other, right? Um, they acquire three items and go off on a quest to defeat some witch. They use each item to conquer a different uh, trial that they have during their quest. At the end of it, uh, they are actually unable to fulfill the quest completely, and so the witch curses them. The witch curses them so that they are actually the inverse of what they are, so that they get what they want. Basically making Ronin short and making uh, Aaron tall, which is what they wanted. So they go back home, and they're happy. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Morgan, I just... Manny, you said it so fast. Okay. So there were two brothers named Ronan and Aaron. One of them wanted to be tall, and one of them wanted to be short. And uh, so they go on a quest. Uh, they have to get three items uh, and they use these items uh, in a quest, I guess, to defeat uh, this witch. Uh, but they fail at the quest uh, or maybe they're helping out the witch. I don't know. There's a witch involved. 
and <laughs> but they fail at the quest. So as a result, the witch curses them, uh, and and they got exactly what they wanted. Essentially, uh, uh, the one who was tall uh, became short. I believe that was Ronan, and then the one that be that was short became tall, and I believe that was uh, Aaron. The end. Yeah, thank you, Jasmine. Yay! <laughs> okay, it was uh, I mean the the overall moral and um, the beginning and end was definitely the same. I heard you had a lot of detail. I don't get details. I don't understand details. They get lost on me. Oh yeah! By the time that Keanu gave it to me, there was nothing, Morgan. I had to infer some stuff actually. <laughs> Already yes, gone. Did. First round. Great. Yeah. Yes, you did. Perfect. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, oh shit, me? Really? Alright, that was a that was narrative telephone. Thank you to my girlfriend Jasmine for participating. I wanted it to have one extra step beyond uh just the three of us, so I added her in there. Thank you, Jasmine. And now we're on to the the month theme. Uh which is, you know, the the month. Uh, theme discussion or the month theme is memory loss so I guess the discussion I'll want to talk but I guess it will change slightly with each film but uh, essentially I mm -hmm. I want us to uh, see ourselves in the role of the person losing their memory and how it, we think uh, we would have responded in that same situation so in this we have the option to erase a past relationship the same way that uh, Joel and uh, and Clementine did. Would you take it for any past relationship that uh, past or current relationship that you have or had? Oh, can it be? Can it be friendships? Does it? Have yeah, to be no, it can be. Girlfriend? It can be any. Would oh, you? Would you? They really focus on relationships, like <gasps> oh. romantic here. But I'm saying, is there any relationship, friend, family, romantic dog? Did you say God? No, dog. There, I, remember, oh. I remember the lady in the beginning. She was like holding like a bunch of items in her hand. And I was like, oh, was it for a dog? They're dog toys. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Dog, yeah. Hmm. That's kind of sad. That's kind of sad. But also a very good idea, actually. Yeah, do you want to forget the memories of a, of a dog? I mean, I'm, yeah. Yeah, that like pet too works. Anything. I, um, I can't do <laughs> it. I, I sometimes don't like myself. But I very much believe that a person is, like I said, a giant composition of all of their memories, experiences, and people they've uh, shared memories and experiences with throughout their life. So I wouldn't be me, and so I wouldn't do it personally. I haven't had a memory so traumatic that it would... Like, there might be some people that have had memories so traumatic that maybe in order mm. for them to live free of pain, they, they need to do it as like almost a trauma treatment. Yeah. Um, you know, I could definitely see that, and I, I agree yeah. that I haven't had an experience that traumatic in my life. Yeah, so I would agree with you, and I would, I would not, uh, I would not take the treatment as well. What about you, Keanu? Yeah, I think we're unanimous on this. Uh, like I said, we're all just a bunch of our memories, and if we don't, we we're losing one. It's kind of like we lost a lesson, or we're missing a part of ourselves. I know. I, I guess, like you guys, it's not many traumatic experiences, but. Yeah, I think I need those memories to help you grow. Yeah, exactly. You don't you don't grow without mistakes. Okay. Well, I think that was maybe the yeah. overall message of the film is don't do this non-existent thing that you can only <laughs> do in this universe. No, no. 
Don't break up. We're referring to this process as fiction, and this particular process is fiction. But, I mean, neuroscientists have been working on brain mapping for quite some time now. And there are a few... Um, it looks like there's a few non-commercial, um, but real um, chemical ways to actually erase some memories. I mean, and there are, are ways to do it just naturally by accident, too. Yeah, so that makes sense. There are. Yeah. It does make sense. But, yeah, no, people are specifically looking at, um, at some point, commercializing uh, these, like, pharmaceutical drugs that specifically will uh, impact, like, memory impairment for traumatic events right. or certain emotions that you can connect with those events. So, yeah, that's an uh, interesting thing to look at. And, again, I wouldn't do this because nothing I've had is that terrible. I want to talk a bit about... Uh... The directing, I guess, that style of Michael Gondry. I think there's just a few interesting things to note um, because this is a very dreamlike movie. Uh, with a lot of dreamlike aspects. They used very little CGI. It was almost all practical. But he was kind of a. He seemed like he was maybe kind of a dick to his crew. What do you mean? If he wanted the crew to like build a whole set in an environment that the crew thought was maybe unsafe, he would just fire the entire crew. And make and replace him with other people that would do it. Um, he actually got uh, yelled at by by a union for the way he was treating his crew. Ew, he made it really hard for the cinematographer Ellen Curris, I believe her name was, uh, to do her job because of just the kind of impractical things he wanted done. Like he insisted on only natural light, which was just not going to work for what he wanted. So she would hide light bulbs around the set to to make sure light was always there. Um, <laughs> And he wanted there to be a lot of imp- improvisation, um, which means that he wasn't doing uh, he wasn't doing uh, setups for his scenes. Most times, directors will set up scenes with exactly where they want the characters to be, where they want the filming camera angles to be, so that when they come to set, everything can be set up the way that they're directing it, and we can just you know get through the scenes that need to be get through gotten through. Uh, but he didn't set up his scenes; he just wanted it to be improvised entirely. So they actually yeah. just had 360 cameras going on almost at all times to just capture oh whatever the characters might be, which is, it's a, a lot of hassle. I feel like he put on his crew that he really didn't, didn't have to all, all for his own artistic, artistic vision, which I think at the end of the day doesn't change things so much that it's worth kind of putting so much stress and strain on the people you're working with nonstop for three months. I'm going to add one thing real quick to this. And mm-hmm. that. Uh, I read some other thing. I didn't read so much about him being addicted to his crew, although I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, two things that I did read about specifically was the abundance of uh, practical effects. Uh, specifically, they made note of Jim Carrey's child uh, sequence where he went oh, back yeah. to childhood yeah. and was like, oh, that was cool. And everyone was big. It was cool. Practical effects can be cool. Um, and the other thing, though, was that I did read a little blurb about him uh, really asking people to ham it up and be uh, really do the improv bits, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, although, there's a caveat there in which he specifically did not... He specifically told Jim Carrey to play a subdued character and <laughs> he would not allow him to improvise, which frustrated Carrey <laughs> greatly. That's what I wanted to add, but what I want to say about the things that you said, Morgan, are... Man, fuck that, <laughs> dude. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> I know I know Ellen Curtis definitely said it was a difficult experience 
Um, but her cinematography was amazing. I liked the usage of the different cameras that she was using a lot. Uh, there was a lot of shaky cam for many, many, many parts of the scenes. Well, actually, I, did, I, I didn't say it before, but that was something else specifically Michael Gondry wanted was he liked the shakiness more. So instead of using traditional dollies, they filmed like on wheelchairs and just like pushed the wheelchairs around to get that shakiness. Ah, I get that. Actually, I, I kind of dig that as an idea. Uh it just kind of made it all very human, very close, obviously. Imperfect in its own way. Let's go to my favorite part of the goddamn Overall podcast. thoughts and ratings. Let's get yeah. those ratings. Man, you first. What, how would you rate this Ridge film? Ridge Racer. It's 6 out of 10 for me. It's a pretty film. The acting's pretty solid, but like it just never really quite gets to me. I mean, it has some... It has some good philosophical discussion and moral discussion when it comes to the idea of forgetting and who you are if you don't have your memories and if you should ever do that in general. But the movie itself at some points is lackluster, I feel. Uh, Count is right, the soundtrack isn't that great. And yeah, the pacing is kind of whatever for me too. I also just, eh. But 6 out of 10. It's not a terrible film by any means. It's a good film, just not particularly for me. I probably would watch it like again, but like... Maybe in like 15 years. So yeah, that's my rating. Yeah, actually, I'm in agreement with Manny. 6 out of 10 uh, as well. Uh, one thing I did remember that I wasn't super fond of, but I get why they had to do it, were the scenes where, well, I guess this is a lot of the movie, but Jim Carrey is, or no, sorry, Joel is moving through his memories and talking to um, Clementine. I almost kind of like to me it kind of read like an inside out kind of approach like a, a Disney or Pixar kind of look at memory it isn't you know it's very cute it doesn't feel like uh many I think you described the best it's lackluster in a lot of places and it, it's nice but I feel like it didn't do enough I guess and that's fine I think a lot of people get a lot out of this movie but it has more interesting concepts than it does its execution. Yeah, it has definitely very interesting uh, philosophical views or discussions, or at least it it allows for people to have them. I don't know how much it really goes into it itself. It Mm -hmm. almost reads more like a a roadmap. It itself is the roadmap, like you look at it like a roadmap, and then the journey that you go on yourself with with the roadmap is kind of more entertaining or exciting than maybe the the roadmap itself. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have more yeah. fun looking out the window than I am looking at this roadmap. But it's taking me there, so I have to I have to appreciate it. I'm not getting lost on the way. <laughs> um, I think overall, I think it's really interesting uh-huh. that people like, you know, celebrated film critic uh, Roger Ebert gave it like a four out of four. Um, and overall, it's critically, I mean, it's one of those movies that is generally the category of this, the genre of this film is Oscar, essentially. Um, it does exactly what an Oscar film wants and is well acted to carry it through. Um, the, the amount that is celebrated by critics almost uh, deadens it a little bit because they kind of hold it up to this high regard. And I feel like in some ways it's not quite as like um, juicy. It really falls a little, it's more a, little, a bit more lackluster than like this four out of four uh <laughs> podium that the critics are all holding it up to so i guess i would give it like 
25 lost memories out of a an infinite repeat of lost memories because I'm going to repeat this process 15 more times. <laughs> it's a collectathon. Yes, how many memories can I collect and then lose? I think that brings us to uh, the next film. So, Manny, what are we watching? The next film. All right, dear listeners, it is time for Manny, me, Manny, to choose a film for the month of November. In the theme of Remember, Remember, the month of November. A theme all about memory loss. So we're exploring a bunch of different ways that people lose memory. We've explored a classic with The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And let's look at something a little bit more modern. Something that's come out in just the last five years. It is a film that stars my favorite boy, Jason Siegel. The film is called Discovery. I will give a quick synopsis at the beginning of the next podcast. But for now, look forward to it, dear listeners. Thank you, and I am sorry, Grandpa. Good night, sweet dreams. Good night, sweet Grandpa. <laughs> you know what the fuck is this? I'm sorry, Grandpa. Don't go gently grandpa! into that night. We got in on a, a Nietzsche kind of note. Okay. This podcast is dead. also a little mommy weird. milkies he's just like he's a child and, and she's like all right honey like check out my underwear though it's the ass that you remember right and he's just like yucky oh that was weird that was not that was not his mom that was the babysitter yeah that was but still but it was it was yeah but he was like in mentally four and this was his like, ex-girlfriend slash babysitter it was very strange